Welcome again to Read the Fucking Manual, an RPG book club podcast. Uh, I'm Aaron, at AaronMFKing on Twitter. I got some sniffles tonight because it's cold and it's late. Uh, with me, as always, uh, Max, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Max Lander, uh, online everywhere, at Maxwell Lander. I make games. I don't have sniffles. It's a toasty worm in my house at this current moment, which feels like a rude thing to say to you, but here we are. (laughs) And special co-host, Dan Phipps. Good evening. Uh, I don't have the sniffles, but it is uh, pretty cold in here, so I'm I'm wearing a long sleeve thing and have have chilly fingers, but but so far it hasn't you jumped the gun. You already said what you're wearing. You know the next bit of the podcast. Well, I, you know, I've I've been listening, so I, I a lot of time was spent weighing how dressed up I want to get for this, and also the fact that I need a haircut, which is uh, affecting my my fashion choices, so I can keep the hair out of my eyes and not completely lose my mind. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a, a long sleeved thermal and jeans and kind of a, a headband to keep you know your your hair gets to a certain length and all of a sudden it's the only thing you can think about and I can't I haven't had time to get a haircut to address that for a bit so we're we're solving it that way. Great. That's why I shaved my head uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> I was like, fuck this. this. That we are we are rapidly approaching. That's Plan B for bald, and mm-hmm. <laughs> Plan A is I get my act together and set aside some time to get my hair cut the normal way. I definitely had the like, it's winter, it's still a pandemic, things are still closed up here. I'm nobody's gonna see me without, especially without a hat on. I'm shaving it off because it's the best feeling ever. I feel very strongly that like everybody should just shave their head. Uh, multiple times in their life because nothing feels better than shaved heads yeah i normally Uh, do the number two guard but uh, a month or two ago i went for the number one guard the smallest guard Uh, felt good living on the edge i I occasionally bick my head and that is the best feeling ever it goes from a bick to a number one like in three days so you just have to stay inside for three days right like i buzzed mine and then just didn't go to work for days and when i did wore a hat and then the next time my coworker saw me these are boring stories uh that's it that's about as exciting as my what i'm wearing today because once again i am wearing black sweatpants and a black t-shirt so i'm gonna need to get on that uniform situation uh or i'm gonna have to start like pulling out i did go through my clothing which i have been uh, ignoring this week and got rid of like half of my clothes and so now i feel like i can actually perceive my fun clothing items and maybe uh dress appropriately next next episode right yeah this one was a tough one uh i'm just wearing one hoodie and that's it i went no is that pants. actually it this yes. is a full no pants episode it's been a rough day folks <laughs> locally I think you it. and worldwide uh <laughs> correct <laughs> yes that is accurate anyway uh tonight today we will be talking about 13th Age by Rob Heinsu and Jonathan Tweet. It's released in 19, uh, 19, fuck, 2013 by Pelgrim Press. Uh, it was an early example of 
Kickstarter success. Uh, Kickstarter had only been around for a few years, and 13th Age kickstarted its first supplement, 13 True Ways, which funded at over $70,000 before the space game was even officially released. Uh, for further context, uh, D&D 5e was also playtesting and releasing around the same time, and so was Numenera, Monty Cook's like fantasy heartbreaker, which I was confused with this game before I read it. Uh, Rob Heinsu, one of the writers, I have no idea if I'm saying that right, um, but he wrote for 3rd edition D&D and was one of the main designers of 4th edition, which is my favorite. Uh, Jonathan Tweet designed Ars Magica, Everway, Over the Edge, uh, kind of a bunch of auteurish RPGs in the 90s, and was a lead designer on D&D 3rd edition. Uh, just as a heads up, he has tweeted some weird race science stuff, and, uh, you know, I have no idea if that was a one-off thing or a trend, but he's out there doing that. Just so you know, we are not supporting or believing any of that. Um, art for this book is by Lee Moyer and Aaron McConnell. Is it really pretty, Aaron? It's another Aaron. I was going to say, pretty much you just made a list of games when you're like, ah, these are Jonathan Tweet's games. Don't buy those games. That was just a list of games not to purchase in the world. <laughs> uh. Retroactively, consider consider this additional context when shopping for auteur rpgs of the 90s and early aughts right <laughs> yeah we i mean last last episode we were like don't give wizards of the coast your money and this it's just every episode the newest bit is going to be what are you wearing and then who should we what game should we not be giving money to right. <laughs> this time uh i am excited about this one because uh i had heard so much about it and had not read it and had an interesting time reading it had an interesting time reading it. I feel like I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm excited for today because I'm gonna do a thing where I'm gonna be like I I read this book and I still need you to explain to me how this game works. <laughs> um. So it sounds like I mean Dan has played it, right? Yeah. I uh, I GM'd it for for quite a bit. Um. Uh. After uh, I'm I'm fairly confident this was the first Kickstarter I ever backed was really excited about it because um uh as you know as as aaron mentioned the um fourth edition was on its way out which um so uh going even further back i bounced off of third edition uh, pretty hard like i i tried to i could kind of play it and i tried to gm it and i just couldn't wrap my head around it had more success running shadow run which i don't Oof. know what that says about me of whatever edition was, you know, parallel. Um, but, uh, like, and, and so I, uh, fourth edition I got into because I got over myself after college and realized I could just ask all my hipster friends to play D&D, and they probably would, and they did. And fourth edition was out at the time, and I, like, actually found guidance on dungeon mastering in the Dungeon Master's Guide, which was new and exciting for me to actually get advice on how to run the game. And, and it clicked for me in a way that previous editions hadn't. I got really excited, I really enjoyed it. And then it was, and then it was done. You know, they were, the, everyone had decided actually fourth edition wasn't very good. Uh, the fifth edition playtest I wasn't enjoying. Pathfinder was just third edition again, which I didn't like. And then this comes along 
and it's you know all of the this is vague memory but all of the the kickstarter marketing was a sort of peace in our time yalta conference between third and fourth edition that like we got the designers together and they're working together to make this thing not for wizards of the coast for some reason um isn't that also the sales pitch of pathfinder because i I mean i was a third edition player and third and 3.5 and then pathfinder was like we got all these rad designers and we've like perfected 3.5 or what i guess it was pre-fourth so it doesn't have the it's yeah. the best of both worlds between these two. but Yeah, it was sort of a, well, it was a, a continuation. You know, Pathfinder was a love letter to something that I didn't have any meaningful affection for. But, like, I, <laughs> I, I think it's, if you were someone who did enjoy 3rd Edition, that is absolutely a worthy thing. Um, but, like, I tried to get into Pathfinder and immediately was like, oh, I remember this. I remember why this didn't work for me before. Um, and so, so, you know, it it was such a weird thing like and it, it a because it was oh you know what the hell is kickstarter and then it, but the the promise of hey you know you're if you if you did like fourth edition don't say it very loud because you're not allowed to but um the uh but this is something that you should be excited about and um and this was like my first non D and D, you know. This was uh, uh, or like not counting Shadowrun and some other heavy hitters like that. But this is the the first approaching indie thing I'd ever really engaged with in the RPG space, and um, and it ended up being a really good on ramp. This was the first thing I ever listened to actual plays for, um, so that like I could, you know, really get into it and, and understand how the game worked appropriately. And then I GM'd it a whole bunch and I found it really easy to do in the same way that fourth edition did, but a lot more flexible, which I, I really like. So, and then, you know, from there I started, you know, this, this kind of opened up the world of, Oh, there's like a lot of RPGs that are weirder than way weirder than this. And, um, and so, you know, which, which is great because now I'm I'm making games and and playing really weird stuff. But um, but yeah, so that was that was some of the context for like where this hit me and probably why this hit me as hard as it did. Um, uh, you know, of the 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 promise of Thirteenth Age when I was backing Thirteen True Ways. Do we want to just jump in? Do we want to go chapter order? Sure. I mean, that's they 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 wrote it that way. <laughs> they sure did write it that way. It's their way. own fault if they didn't want us to talk about them in that they, order. They picked a order. They picked a way to try and organize the information they were trying to communicate, and it is it is a, a direction that yeah. I for me reading this was a lot like revisiting my like corn albums or something. Like there's a <laughs> there's a delight in it, but also there like the whole time I think I'm. I think I, um, I'm feeling pretty harsh on this and that sort of like, ooh, this, hmm, I don't know. I got, we should, we should talk about the book when we're, when we're talking about actual parts of the book, but there's a sort of like, oh, I have this like fond nostalgia for it and now the rubber's hitting the road and it's sort of like, oh, oh dear. I, um, I mean, we bring this up every time, but I have convinced Aaron that we are going to do a every dish, an edition of D&D 
episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is when I will have my confrontation of that moment because that is third mm-hmm. for me. And I am a hundred percent certain I'm going to hate reading it now. I am like a hundred and ten percent certain that I'm going to read third or like 3.5 and be like, I hate this. How mm-hmm. did I? spend so much time and so much money and so much energy like loving this thing uh so this is i'm just taking that as like this is your this is your dnd it's very interesting to read um having no no framework for it and not like i I will say like a general like overview feel is like oh it feels of that time it very feel it very much so feels like it's in conversation with three pathfinder four Right. Like there's yeah. all these games. I actually like when I was reading it, wanted to put I was like, can I like make a list of all the games that feel like they came out at the same time that feel like they're all actually just yelling at one another more than they're trying to talk to players like. Mm-hmm. No, it's the sort of this this sort of like Paul, this death rattle of that era of trad in the, you know, to, to borrow heavily from the, the six cultures of play blog post but like you know this is the sort of growing pains from you know the what we now know as as the sort of what is it oc trad or whatever but like you know there's something something broke in in that time (laughs) and there's this splintering of like here's how we'll you know well we'll, and and we can we can go right into it like clearly from the icons in chapter one like super broadly 13th age is a a 300 some page hardcover uh d20 plus stats or skill game there are classes there are uh, you you level up you get abilities um the classes are very traditional we'll get into them as we get there but yeah it starts with uh the icons which are big figures yeah yeah Oh, it's just the icons are cool because the icons are the thing that differentiate it from every other D20 game, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that they start right off with like, here are the icons, here's 13 big giant, like kind of roughly shaped characters or figures that are going to affect your world a bunch that have like an inherent mechanical interplay with your play. And this is why this is different than other other d20 games which the game says a lot in, i'm i'm air quoting other d20 right. games we know you're talking about dnd <laughs> so it's other d20 games. yeah yeah so the icons are like the archmage the emperor the uh shadow lord or whatever just these kind of archetypal figures uh that influence the game and all characters have a relationship with them and at the start of a station you roll these relationship dice based on the number of your relationship and depending on the result these icons might influence the session in some way um, usually not directly it seems like it's supposed to be kind of indirect via proxies or plots or gifts or messages um, and that is apparently a selling point because that's how this book starts but the rules aren't all here these are like it starts with just kind of broad descriptions and then mm-hmm. the rules of the icons are spread throughout the book. Um, so it's actually, they say, like, this is a big deal. This is how we're different from these other D20 games. But we won't talk about it fully right now. Yeah, well, and, and that, that sort of distributed rules, for better or for worse, it shows up throughout the, the whole no, book. No, it's for but worse. It sucks. For worse. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, well, spoiler alert, it's not fun. But, um, you know, the for me, uh, so I like the icons as an idea. I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on the, the rules surrounding the icons. I, I find them a little interruptive. But, like, thinking about Dungeons & Dragons fantasy uh, as its own genre of fantasy like this because i didn't really i bounced off of uh dungeon world i didn't get moves um for a very long time um but this was sort of the first time i had seen a sort of acknowledgement that like oh this is its own genre and here are a list of tropes that you're probably going to have in a dungeon fantasy with a lot of overtures to like rewrite them name them do whatever you want with them swap them out like whatever but broadly we're assuming if you're going to do a dungeon dragon you're going to have the biggest mage you're going to have this you know the scary devil you're going to have a dwarf king and an elf queen you're going to have a human emperor you know you're going to have these these elements that sort of represent loose factions or whatever and they should come up a bunch because that's these are the sort of you know core elements of what we think make a uh, a fantasy world not a fantasy world but like this specific genre of fantasy world more than a pantheon of gods which is typically what you would expect to see of like oh there's the god of civilization and the god of war and the god of being a real dickhole for no discernible reason <laughs> like this is sort of no like there's a bad old lich king and there's a good dragon and you know, and you can make a character framed by your relationships, uh, you know, to these tropes as an as an extension of, of the world. And I, I think that for uh, I think as a narrative conceit, I think that really works. The rolling dice before a session and everything to do with the bard and, you know, like the way these rules keep popping up in odd places, I, you know. I could take it or leave it and frequently did leave it. I didn't, I didn't roll icon dice at the start of sessions. I just, I just picked, I just said, nah, this is what's going to happen. And then, you know, and nobody got mad. So, but I, I like the icons in theory, reading the actual words. Some of these are duds. Like <laughs> there's interesting ideas, but like, like the you know the the one that stuck out to me the the dwarf king this is the high water mark for the whole exercise the dwarf king has the true danger so there's 13 apocalypses in these uh everything will be all right provided the dwarf king does not unseal the hall of vengeance and retrieve the legendary axe of seven bloods what is that what are yeah. any of the like that's a campaign the acts of seven bloods are you kidding me like that's good stuff but the rest of these are like oh the, everything will be all right as long as the emperor continues to be okay and so like well well not, no go back to the seven blood acts they like where's that juice well like, it does do a good job of saying like things are poised there's a scaffolding yes. here the pcs the players have the power to tip this shit over or mm -hmm to keep it from tipping over. And I think that's a good start. I think personally, just like as a younger person trying to set up games, often I got so focused on like my NPCs or my history or whatever that there wasn't a lot of room for play other players to come in and do stuff. <laughs> and so to say like this world is like semi-static, but there's all these places for things to be pushed over. 
and there's all these places where things are ready to get pushed over but could be saved uh, does invite other players in, and I think it does a good job setting that up. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like that a lot. I feel like my main issue with them is that there are 13 of them, and I am never going to remember 13. Uh, like, it's just, it's so, it's so many. <laughs> um, but also that there are 13 of you, and there's no chaotic good ones. So this game can just get pitched right in the trash. <laughs> just, just Oh, yeah. Because they do a, there's like a little chart that lays them all out in the like traditional D&D alignment chart. And there are 13, 13 of them, nothing's chaotic good, which is arguably everything that I play in every game. Well, but uh, I think part of that is, like like I said, like that chaotic good is about like tipping this stuff over and like changing the status quo for the better. And so I think a lot of it is like, I think a lot of players lean toward being chaotic good. Like they want to fuck around and they want to help people. And so like... That's a, a fruitful void. That's yes. where the players go. They they become mm. chaotic good. Mm, I see. I don't it's know. not a failing of imagination. It's an intentional <laughs> void. I I will say the like you you unlocked a memory for me in trying to onboard players to this and asking them to make the choice of relationships and having to be like, look, don't try and read all thirteen of these. Like, pick one based on vibes that sounds cool and we'll work it out later like what that needs to be but it does invite a sort of the the sheer volume uh if they could have maybe consolidated a couple of these uh and have it had a seventh age which i recognize then you're next to seven c's seventh c or whatever but still um there's other cool numbers that are that it could have been so that that was a bit of a stumbling block i get it but also you know it, it is a lot uh, uh up front yeah, I think it's, I think also, like, one of the thoughts I was having is, um, while I was reading all this, was that, like, you know, I think we have a lot of examples of these kind of ideas crystallized and streamlined into more contemporary games that are much simpler and much, like, easier to understand and easier to get into. And almost all of those are, like, exclusively indie games. Um, but none of those would have gotten there if we hadn't gone through this really long and painful history, right? Like all of the great or the games that I think are really smart and that I really enjoy that are in this kind of fantasy genre still owe that lineage from all of these growing pains. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I look at this and I'm like, yeah, if you were designing this now, this this game would be ripe for, yeah, like sixth or seventh age and then having module supplements that are like, have you played through all of your icons? Here's just a book of fucking icons to like make your next campaign out of, right? Like, and to me, that's that's supplemental material because <laughs> I don't want to read 13 right up front, but like even the format of here's a really small core, easy to do thing and we're going to rely on there being like more supplements, I feel like is a a newer idea in, not that there weren't ever supplements, but like to split the core stuff out that way, um, feels like it only came about when game books stopped being three hundred pages. <laughs> but at the uh, same time, like D and D was originally a little box of like yes. half letter yes. three books, mm-hmm. so nice little cycle. Yeah, yeah. It's not that we had to go through that. It, it, yeah, I think it's more sick. We we lost the old ways, <laughs> right? And now we have recovered them. 
Yeah, they, they they put the high druid in here, and then we're like, and we'll get to the druid class in 13 true ways. And it's sort of like, well, you could have, there's a there's a layup right there. <laughs> put that in the, put that icon in the other book. I do think that they're interesting. I mean, we can keep going chapter by chapter, uh, and I can talk about my overall feels about it, because like the, the icons are kind of my big, are one of my big takeaways from reading this, because I feel like in between icons... And the GMing section, and even inclusive of the GMing section, it's... I I now have a hard time actually registering difference in D20 systems. <laughs> like, it's... Uh, I know they're there, and there's one rule that I really like that I will talk about. But other than that, I tend to read these things and be like, I just can't actually figure out how this is different than other ones. <laughs> or what is yeah. the thing that makes this one different than other ones? I mean, that's a perfect next step, because after Icons, it gets into three chapters of character creation, like basic character rules, races, and classes. And so, um, as with the start of this book, there's a lot of stuff about, like, other games, other D20 games do this, but we're going to do something different. Um, And that applies to, I mean, the book starts with saying, like, this is for advanced players who have done this other stuff already so this book has one unique thing all characters pick one thing that is like them and it's only them and that ranges from like i am the secret daughter of the dragon emperor and the diabolist to uh you know i'm the dwarf that can breathe water or something like that i was immediately pissed and bored with other d20 games do this we do something different. And then they did a lot of similar things. <laughs> well, Just over and over again, other D20 games do this. We're doing this different thing. And it's like, no, you're not doing a different thing. It's not even that to me. It was just like, if someone reading this has played these other D20 games, they already know that they're different. The different, yes. like they can recognize they different parts. And if the person hasn't played these D20 games, then it's just like, what does this text mean? What does it... It's just like in the way of actually what this game is. It's, and so it's it's just sort of a weird, like, I would understand if there were a sidebar that said like, hey, players, if you're used to D20 games, here's an important change. But like starting every chapter with that just seems like such a waste of space. And you already called out like, this book is so long and there's mm. so much wasted verbiage lots of like weird white space lots of strange formatting that takes up extra space um and it is really funny because like comparing this to other games coming out at the time that this is drawing from like games that came out of the forge like fiasco or apocalypse world like those were all half letter size they were like 90 to 200 pages long um and then this is just like this huge bloated thing that is yeah i mean really one of could the, have used an editor or another designer i don't know presumably they had an editor yeah. more editors uh yeah one of my actual notes is like there are way too many references to other games which makes me feel like i have to have read which i have those other games in order to understand this one right like it does feel like it is constantly referencing not even just other d20 games but i feel like it, there's just like constant commentary of other mm. games do this 
Uh, Slurred doesn't doing want this. you to forget the pedigree of the authors also. Like, oh, we know about, you know, because we, we worked on third and fourth edition in case you uh, forgot at some point, <laughs> at any point, at any point in reading this. You need to know about our, our why you're reading this and about our good work. And it's like, you know, it's like you said, there's I'm looking at a, a, a good example of one of those sidebars right here where it's like, hey, you might expect multi-classing to be in this based on other other D20 games. But like, but the, it's not. And here are some things that open up those doors and we'll we're going to get to multi-classing in a later book. Don't panic. And it's sort of like, OK, well, that's reasonable because. Someone might expect multi-classing and be looking for it and not find it. And this provides specific guidance for that specific instance, as opposed to this, like, broad brush, philosophical, you know, hair splitting between between this and third or fourth edition. But it's also such a weird thing to be like, you might be looking for a thing. It's not here. We're going to take space to tell you a thing you're looking for is not here. When, like, if I go to the grocery store and they're out of oat milk, like, I don't need them to say, hey, we know you're looking for some oat milk. We're going to talk about it, but there's none here. Like, I can just see it's not here, and I can deal with that. And it's also... maybe there's some component of, like, online life, like the kind of standard Twitter dissembling of, like, hey, you might be expecting me to talk about this, and I'm not in the <laughs> place to talk about it right now. or you know, But it's just, like... It's such a waste of space, and it's such a weird. I can, when I read something, I see what is not there, and I don't need a book to tell me that something is not there. It's just such a strange approach well, to composing a message to a, yeah. an imagined reader. Well, you would see it's not there if this were half as long and half <laughs> the page size, because but like because they put all this superfluous stuff in. And, yeah. like, uh, you know, some of it is good, fun tone stuff, but, you know, a little goes a long way. Um, like, in a, in, a, in a better edited and, and more boiled down version of this, I would trust that you could find or not find information. But trying to read this cover to cover, we, it just washed over me. Like, yeah. you know, if yeah. there's a quiz at the end of this podcast, I'm not going to do well. No, As someone who, again... Freak repeatedly GM'd this um, in a, in a formative way, but like, how does this? I don't. I'm not reading all this. Like, yeah, it's, it's just there's so many words. It's really too many words. Cause like, whatever. Some 300 page books are 300 pages, and most of it's art. And some, you know, one of the one of the games that I'm very fond of that is kind of in this vein is like Dungeon Crawl Classics and that book is huge and you can skip 100 pages of it probably 150 pages of it because they're all just spell tables mm-hmm. uh, and the actual game is much smaller whereas this is 300 pages of like margin to margin paragraphed text right yep. like it is so much like the word count on this has to be astronomical <laughs> But there's also, like, huge white space in some of this book. Like, I don't, I just, and I do want to get back, to, I, I want to get back to the multi-class thing, because I think, <laughs> I think there's a way to say, you might play a fighter, and you might want to use wizard abilities. If you do, here are some ways to approach that. Like, you can speak to a common denominator of players that are anyone that picks a class that wants something from another class 
but this book so often is referencing other games in a way that you know if i were a player that was unfamiliar with other dnds and i was just like well i want to be a fighter but i want to cast a spell sometimes and all of a sudden you're using words like multi-class that are not actually in this book like there are just better ways to write this stuff that just say you might have this urge through this thing here's a way to approach it using the rules we have here without having to reference other games i don't know i'm yeah. getting mad i'm getting worked up well but there's also like <laughs> there's also a way to put an introductory chapter that is if you're coming to this game from other role playing games and what you all you have to say is we understand the the presumed like we understand the knowledge that you're coming to this game with we have made different choices than those games all of those choices will be present in this text when something isn't here that you're used to we've probably considered it and chosen just to go in a different direction for this exact game and now you have covered every single instance of in other <laughs> d20 games see i don't even want that like because then then you put that in every rule book you don't need to do that like well, I mean, I think at the time, though, like, that is the, like, that's who's going for this game, right? Like, one of my big questions is, like, who is the market for this game? Because it's not, like, it's not the people who want a multi-class. If, if, if somebody's reading this book looking for every single rule that's in 3.5, they're playing 3.5, right? Like, that's, if they, if it's like, oh, I want to make sure that it has charge and grapple and multi-class, this isn't the game for you. You don't need to tell me it, it doesn't have charge and grapple and multi-class, because if those are in those games, I'm if I'm looking for those things, I've probably already found the game that I want to play. This game necessarily needs to be different than those ones in order for me to want to be interested in playing it and purchase it, right? And so, like, just saying, like, this is our this is our pedigree. We come from playing these games. We design these games. We love. We know and cherish a bunch of those mechanics. But for this game, we've chosen to go in a different direction, or we've just even just we've taken all that knowledge and we've crystallized it and we've really reflected on it. And this is what we've come with. And then just put forward the game you actually made, not 150 yeah, pages of the game you I'm didn't like, make. <laughs> put that shit at the end. Like, give I mean, me fair. one page of designer notes at the end where it's like, oh, you reach the end, and you're you're wishing you. There was other stuff in here. Too bad. See you later. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it it feels like the worst of both worlds, right? Like, it feels like this sort of apology for the... when, when When they make interesting design choices, they apologize for it or talk at length about, you know, uh, about why it's okay. Don't, don't worry your pretty little head. This is, we, we asked, we asked the forge and they said, it's okay that you, um, you just write a background down and put a number to it instead of having a list of skills. And then later on, you know, they're, they're making design choices as sacred cows that they clearly aren't thrilled with. And so it's sort of like, you don't, this is not wizards of the coast. I'm seeing Pelgreen press on the side here you don't have to do this make the game you want to make like don't make don't make a DD. you clearly don't want to make a DD. i mean you do but like it feels like a half step and it's it's like that that was the biggest thing reading this again with like a little bit more context and and a, a lot more experience in a in a breadth of of RPGs, including the ones that they're obliquely referencing as, as their story game inspirations. Um, but it's just like, like commit to the thing, like, you know, like make your, your weird 
sort of semi-tactical story game thing and see if it all hangs together or doesn't but you you're not it, it clearly it so badly wants to be part of that lineage you know yeah. and is and uh, and as a result it spends a lot of time justifying it i guess like it's also like there is a little bit of like i think i think you're protesting a little much you know like there is like you've just tried to convince me so hard that you have something good that I don't even think you think you have something good. I don't think you have something good because I can't even figure out what the hell you have. And I also think you don't like the thing you made. Uh, because you wouldn't have to defend it so much. Like, I'm not, atta- there's no, you're not actually in conversation where somebody is trying to like critique it. You're just presenting it, but you're presenting it through defensiveness, which is just a terrible way to present anything that you care about. Uh, and it just, yeah, it feels like, it, it feels really wobbly, right? Like it feels like everything is kind of a little mishmashy and a little uh, ambiguous and a little hard to understand. And that feels like, do you, like I have this, do the designers even know how this game works? Do they, yeah, like, just, do they understand? <laughs> just to give it like a concrete example. Um, so this game only, characters have 10 levels, which I love. You level up to level 10, that's your max level. Um, each level you add another weapon die when you roll damage so level one fighter rolls 1d8 for a weapon they're good at or whatever level two fighter 2d8 up to 10 10 d8 it's a lot of dice to roll and add up and there's a part where they acknowledge like high level characters will be rolling a lot of dice but rolling dice takes a lot of time so you can actually just average the dice and use the averages and you don't have to roll but you can roll because rolling is fun. But sometimes you don't want to roll. Um, and then they're, they're like, sometimes roll two of the dice and then average the rest. And it's this very long, like, half-page thing about how rolling lots of dice is fun. But it takes a long time and it's bad. But also sometimes it's good. And it is just, I get that giving a hard rule is sometimes, like, poorly done. Like... These games are coming from maybe a lineage of like this kind of Gary Gygax faux academic, like uh, the quote of like, you cannot have a meaningful campaign if strict time records are not kept. Like these, this very forceful language that these games come from. And I don't like that kind of language. And I think it evolved into like kind of 90s message board argumentation. And again, this kind of toxic masculinity uh poking holes in each other all the time and i get wanting to move away from that and saying you know including some maybes in your language or being a little softer but i do think this goes too far the other way of just trying to cover every single base as though you're in a dialogue when actually you're just writing a book and there is no dialogue and you need to be clear also, I do not believe that these authors are writing because they want to be softer. I do not believe that these authors think that they don't know the best way to play a game, right? Like there is, when you say that, I'm like, yeah, because you're Aaron motherfucking King and you actually want people to figure out how they best play their game and how you can support them to best play the game they want to play. I That is not the vibe that I get here. Because like you have, there's like this game, this book is also littered with like GM commentary and author commentary. And so like, 
you'll have a huge amount of text and then you'll have a litter block that's from one of the authors that says like this is how i do this which is different than an example of play and also different than the game master blocks of text which i don't why do you have these four different things but like Right in the beginning, when it starts the character rules, one of the author notes is like, hey, players, you know how GMs are. They like to think they're in charge. Be sure be sure to let your GM talk about what's, quote, special and unique about their world and how they're going to run the campaign. The more details you get from the GM, the more you'll be able to get away with when you create your character. You're like, I know who these fucking guys are. People that I never <laughs> want to fucking play a game with. <laughs> right? Like, they both want to tease like yes i i appreciate teasing gms that think like that but also like gms put in a lot of work and probably a lot of their world is unique and special and like genuinely letting people who are running games talk to you about the thing that they put a lot of effort into prepping for you is like a nice thing to do like arguably that's why you're there to play a game with them (laughs) and so like that tone for me tells me that like they're not writing they're not writing with that language because they're trying to actually be fully respectful of people taking the rules and running with it and making it their own thing or that's not what it feels like the motivation is based on the tone throughout the book um and i might like i as you were saying that i was like i might personally differ like i don't think that you need to tell people that they need to keep time Hmm. uh, obviously that you need to keep time tracking records but i do kind of like games that are really solid about how they are designed to be played you know, like we have enough games in the world and also a lot of people will just take parts that they like and ignore the rest anyway. But like a game that says, like a game that's really strict and says, this is how we've designed it, play it this way once and then go do whatever you want with it. That's all I need for that, right? Like, but I like to hear a designer statement. I like to hear like, this is why we chose this rule and we think you should try it before messing with it because we put a lot of thought into it, right? I'm like, yeah, I bought your book. I want to know what your opinion is. um except for this book i don't know what their opinion is well and like so you know there there's there's all like you you pointed out the the designer commentary which which runs rampant throughout and was (laughs) difficult to read um now that i'm an adult um more so uh but like okay so you've got bickering between the two designers you've got a lot of you know oh well a lot of like weird you know leaning into the sort of gm as god antagonism stuff that just you know like in that in the section where you're addressing the fact that the game could be different you could also address the fact that you should treat your friends well um, and that would cover a lot of bases. But then you've got under uh, ranged weapon categories, uh, Rob Heinsu just chiming in with, in my campaigns, magic crossbows are docile and helpful compared to magic longbows. Okay. I We haven't even explained that magic weapons have personality, I don't think. But also, like, thanks, Rob. Thanks for, for, for dropping <laughs> that one on me, I guess. See, I mean, it's a fun love, detail, but... I love that shit. Uh, like, the, there's a it's all over right so my final judgment on this game is like you get to the lore aspect the dragon empire chapter where it explains these different places um and that's the part i liked the most out of this whole book uh normally i'm like anti-lore <laughs> 
It's um, on my notes list. Aaron doesn't like lore. How do you feel <laughs> about this book? But what I mean when I say I don't like lore is like I hate paragraphs of like history. But the, like so much of this stuff ends up being very gameable. Like I like the idea of a shitty little crossbow. And I like the idea of, uh, you know, there's an overworld in this game world that they've developed that is literally up in the clouds. And they're like, people can walk on clouds. Uh, This highest mountain, the stars stop by to get repaired. Sometimes things fall out of the sky. Um, Just like very gameable, immediately interactive stuff. And so, honestly, what I wish this book was, was a, you know, half letter, 64 page zine of their weird little fictions and how to put players smack in the middle of them this is what we're gonna say about every single book we read we just want it to be a small zine where you take out all your dumb mechanics we think your mechanics are dumb take your mechanics out we don't like them this is this is what we said about guide to humanoids this is also what we said about cyberpunk no but we loved the life path stuff in cyberpunk we did like, that and was I, good mechanics there are a couple mechanics in this game that i do actually kind of like i will say let's, that let's hear them well, okay, there's a lot of mechanics I don't like, but um, like my, my first note when I got into like the first bit of the chapter the character section, you have three different kinds of defense in this game, right? You have physical, de- you have armor, def- armor class, physical defense, and mental defense, which is like an interesting concept that other games do significantly better by just being like, you need to resist with what a, with a stat when it applies, right? Like you have stats. One of those stats is probably something to do with your mind or whatever. Um, you're going to resist with that stat. This game averages scores, averages <laughs> ability modifiers to determine your defenses. And I wanted to die when I read that. I was like, this, you took something that was unnecessarily complicated to begin with, like armor class. And then you said, what if we found, what if we found some, like, what if we added more weird math to that? Um, also, I like that you were like, there were mechanics I liked. And I said, which ones? You and said, then I was like, I hate, <laughs> I hate this mechanic. Um, I feel like it's important to, it's important to reference that many of them are just very bad and uh, very complicated versions of uh, 3.5. Just really complicated. Yeah. Adding more math and like way more. That's pretty much this game. It's like there's a, mechanically, it's a lot of 3.5, but more complex. Um, but in combat, there is a thing called the escalation dice. And I yeah. like the escalation dice. So in combat, you every round, the escalation dice goes up by one. And uh, players get a bonus to their rolls um, equal to the escalation dice. Uh, which means that as combat gets farther and farther in, it's more likely to resolve. Which is something that I always like. <laughs> like yes. it is, it is a very good way of solving the we're not going to have an hour of combat. And it, it also, uh, not only is it good on its own, but then they they then proceed to have specific character class abilities and so on that play off of that. Of Oh, like when the Escalation die goes here, then you can do this stuff. And I think it, like that's one of the things that I think is, is my favorite 
like through line is, is is the sort of willingness to like to have things be you know your level and it, your level is your spell level and, and it, it's equal to a monster level and that all lines up and and it fits within one of these three tiers of play and the tiers of play have consistent average like dcs and so it's really easy to lay everything out and be like all right you've got level two characters fighting level two monsters with level two spells and in adventuresome or whatever adventure tier locations and it all just falls neatly into play and i've got and you can and you can run an adventure um which is is just so nice as a gm and and like and and like you said, and the combats are going to go this way and they've got, you know, dice bullshit that lets them, uh, you know, look out for triggering cool abilities. Um, and it, it feels like if you just got down to that core, whatever that looks like, and, and shed some of this, this extraneous, you know, wild averaging out the middle of three stat attributes, you'd, you'd have something really tight and consistent. Yeah, I do the um, the tiers of play. So, like, the tiers are uh, adventure, champion, epic, right? And everything kind of falls into those three categories, whether it's... So, the, the uh, character classes have access to feats, and then there's some, like, extra generic feats, and feats all have tiers, so they do, like, cooler stuff when you get a higher levels. Um, and I think that stuff's pretty cool. I think it's really dumb that you have to retake the feat at a higher level. I think things should just level up when you become a champion, but whatever. Um, I feel like I, I 100% agree that if they took if they took the concept of you have these three tiers of play, here's the general math that fits into these. Like, here's the monsters that fit in here. Here's how much a hit, like, how many hit points a monster would have or whatever. Here's the general bonuses and the general difficulties of tasks, if it's an adventurous task or it's a, a champion task. And here's a bunch of classes that do different stuff and unlock different powers at these different tiers. And you just did that? Like, take out so many of the other mechanics in there and just keep that through thread and that would be a rad game i've been sitting on this the whole time but i do gotta say so many of the things you like about these mechanics are just fourth edition dnd which i love so much <laughs> yep and i know we'll get to it eventually um but like this kind of super streamlined flexible clearly laid out math uh, as far as difficulties and levels and stuff and tiers, that's all from 4th edition. Shout out to Rob Heinsu, one of the lead developers on 4th edition. Um, I It's so funny to me that 4th edition came out before this book because this book feels like the ragged, just crawled in from the woods, strange dog version. And 4th edition feels like when you clean up and shave the dog and give it its shots... But somehow it came out in the other direction of like, well, we did fourth edition. Now we're going to move on and just like make it a little worse. So I don't know that I, I I do agree that it's ragged deer, but I I do think that 13th age does uh, is a, a, a weird half step fax machine on its way to being an email from fourth edition purely in the sense of like like uh like not requiring maps and minis 
and yeah. and adding more fun extraneous bullshit like okay there's wizard spells that are like your fireball gets bigger but then there's wizard spells or wizard feats rather that are like you get to rename your spells every time in the most ludicrous way possible and your gm should should have fun with that and that's the feat and yeah, like there is you're right there's good story game additions yes but it is still pretty raggedy like to be clear <laughs> um and I, I do think like like i prefer uh, i had a better time running 13th age than i did fourth edition purely on the merit of the 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 added flexibility of like okay you have the clean through line consistent stuff you've got you know mooks and you know like whatever like levels of monsters that i can make combats quickly but i don't have to like but they actually end they actually end someday as opposed to fourth edition combat which i'm still playing fourth edition combat as we speak i started a fourth edition campaign roughly a decade ago and i'm still in that first combat and i'm never gonna leave it's (laughs) it's still going so did this is gonna be some 4e apologist stuff one Fourie had minions. That's the same as Mooks. It's all there. Yes. Two, the first monster manual in Fourie, they fucked up some math. And so they did redo it. And the future monster manuals, all that combat is much faster. Um, And I'm not trying to say, like, you're wrong. I just mean early fourth edition did mess that up. But they sped it all up. They lowered armor classes lowered hit points increased damage like they made it much quicker uh this is all just boring (laughs) history stuff but Um, it's true it's it's it is that is a true thing about about fourth edition that it did they did refine that over time right Um, that is also literally never not true of any D &D since (laughs) right like that's not like it's not like that I have never played Dungeons and Dragons where combat doesn't take at least twice as long as it needs to and as it should have to been fun. It's never yeah. fun based on how long it lasts. And I want to be perfectly clear, 13th Age Combat is also too long. Like, it's <laughs> it's an improvement, but it's not. It's better, but it's not, like, good as far as, you know, timing out how much, a, you know, if you want to play for only two hours, you, that's, like, a combat. Like, you can make it work as as you get better at it, and as you said, liberal use of minions and, and so on. Like, the tools are, are there, but it doesn't necessarily hew that way naturally unless you unless you know how to get in and, and get out pretty quick. Um, which also, is why like, I don't play 13th Age anymore, because <laughs> I do not have time for to, to run this. I got a... I also... I got like, a Morkborg. <laughs> my, like, my positive nostalgia with, like, games of this era is is because of the maps and mins. So to make your combat long and convoluted and super math heavy, but to take out the fun visual part is dumb as shit. Like that, (laughs) the reason that 3 and 3.5 was, the 3 and 3.5 are not fun without maps and mins. 5 is not fun without maps and mins, right? Like D&D is not super fun in the last decade, 15 years, whatever, how long, how long it's been since like third without visualization right like it the combat is all designed to make be fun and tactical 
and tactical in your mind palace is weird. I'm sure there's lots of people that really like tactical in their mind palace. I can't keep track of that stuff. And you don't get cool little guys. And every game is enhanced by having small little cool guys. <laughs> a hill I will die on. <laughs> a hill I will die on, but I have the advantage of higher ground, so I am rolling plus two on attacks and defenses. <laughs> I'm um, succeeding on my death saves on this, right. <laughs> on this hill. Yeah. I mean, is there anything do we feel like we missed? I mean, there's a lot more that could be talked about with this game. I yeah. put markers in my book because I tried to like take notes and now I'm rereading those markers and most of them are why does this game keep keep talking about other games? Uh <laughs> <laughs> including one one little uh, post-it note that I wrote that just says grognards question mark <laughs> because I think the they answer literally is yes. mention yeah I think they like literally they do say a the word dig. grognard without defining it so this is something that I wanted to say too my least favorite college professor was someone who taught English literature and would be talking about some book that we were reading and then she would go oh and you can't even imagine what Marx would say about this and then laugh, and then keep talking about whatever she was talking about before. And it was just this thing that rubbed me the wrong way of like, you are supposed to be here educating us, and instead you're making these comments without explaining them, maybe just to make yourself sound informed? I don't know. And it was the most annoying thing, and I wrote the meanest professor review when we were done. But this book does that same thing of just saying like, you know how other things go we're not doing that and it's like i don't know how other things go what are you saying what the like H either Ragnard. either commit and explain it or leave that stuff out this does feel like a, a forum post anthology yes some it, it really really feels like forum culture made manifest in a way that like is not like the like that was the foundational for me rereading this as, as a game that i ostensibly maybe maybe this is a game that i love but do not like maybe that's that's what's happening here as i'm realizing this in real time but like it is steeped in this baseline forum culture of adversarial gms and an unwillingness to acknowledge that like like you said people are going to take this game and rip out a third of it because you can't read it and parse it um even with an adderall prescription uh, which i i went into this armed with and still couldn't couldn't <laughs> focus and like it, it it just is it just needs to let go of so much of this baggage and it could be very good um and i i hope someone with the the time on their hands uh does it um, maybe Massive Press's icon is 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 tilting at that windmill. Oh um, yeah. But because that's you know their Lancer is very 4E inspired and an icon is gearing up to be a sort of 4E Blades in the Dark mashup, which is you know catnip like to me. Um, so I'll end up getting it. Um, but uh, uh, like, but this is this is this is this is crawling so something else can fly. Um, and I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, I am. Um, as I was reading it, I definitely had this like, no, there's like something in here that's like really good, but it's not this game. And I, and I mean, I, like uh, the, the, the adventure um, Eyes of the Stone Thief is 
universally acclaimed and very good. And I think that might be what actually is Aaron, what you were looking for. I think that might just be, Hey, here's a bunch of fun setting stuff and like a dungeon uh, written with this perspective, but what's eyes of the stone thief? Eyes of the Stone Thief is a 13th Age adventure. It's since been made um, 5e compatible. That is about one of the briefly blink and you'll miss it referenced living dungeons um, that I haven't run, but I've, you know, like by the time I found out it existed, I'd gotten out of um, uh, 13th Age, but it's supposed to be extremely good as like a mega dungeon with some really interesting elements to it where it's, it's alive um and kind of changing from under you and that's supposed to be handled in a really like fun and interesting way um so like that probably is what we should have read but i don't have it um (laughs) um, and then we could have talked about a thing that was like smart but instead we read this and got to complain a lot um but every dungeon thing is cool the traveling behemoths with people living on top of them is cool there's lots of, again, like, there's stuff that I just want to encounter as a player. Yeah. And I think those, the, I mean, part of that is because they give you a paragraph, an evocative paragraph, like a very OSR style. Here's three sentences, and each one is something that you can run into, and there's a built-in problem, something interesting. And that's all I wanted, and I will cut the rest of the book out. I also think so for me that bit I think was the was actually ended up being the icons but not as they are like the the so when you get to the running the game chapter it talks a little bit more about what the actual like icon mechanics are and every player has a number of dice associated with the icons that they're associated with that like represent their relationship they could be positive or negative or whatever um but at the beginning of a session it says to roll uh roll them dice and see who has who has like a the strongest whose whose icons have the strongest presence in that session and that is a game to me that is a whole ass game (laughs) that is we are gonna sit down we have some characters we have some loose things about these characters we have established relationships with some like larger even just themes they don't even need to be characters right but like here's we have you know half a dozen nobility or whatever and this is your relationship with them and then we're just going to roll to see whose favorite queen shows up and figure out what that looks like that's fun to me all the other stuff get rid of all the other stuff now i want that but it's like your family's home for the holidays and it's you and your siblings and cousins (laughs) and everyone has a relationship with like grandma the family manor the old dog the wealth the inherited wealth and you roll and it's just like you know knives out meets some sort of holiday movie i i agree i want that game we can make a mashup with my knives out photo game yeah i actually have a fun story i i'm i just remembered i have a fun story about how i used the icon dice um that you can edit out but um I had a mid-adventure, I had a player, there was, a, I think, a skeletal dragon that was, like, way over-leveled so that they'd run from it, and I think I explicitly said, like, this is gonna eat you up, like, you gotta, you gotta boogie. Um, and one of them, one of my players, like, 
prayed to the to the priestess i think like one of the icons the good icons to like for help and i had them roll their um their relationship die and it came up a one and because i'd backed the kickstarter somewhere rattling around this house is a d12 with all of the icons except the thief one and then i rolled that and it came up the crusader and said your prayer works but you don't get an answer from who you expected and the entire rest of the campaign was about the crusader is coming here to wipe everything out in the name of killing all the demons and you need to like get and you need to seven samurai this whole area to to get and it, it was like it was something that i don't think you, you know like i could have had a big consequences action but be, it, it played nicely with the the icons as this sort of loose established fiction and it it was super fun and they went on a behemoth and they arranged a wedding it was great um like running this game was super fun i think you're absolutely right you could just take the dragon empire section and a couple of ideas um uh out of this thing and and just basically it's it's sort of the opposite proportions of ultraviolet grasslands right it's like this needs to be 95 percent setting and five percent rules and not and not what it is which is you know just so so heavy and dense i feel like this is this is ripe for uh i say this not as a pbta person frequently but i feel like this is rife for a, a pbta hack like just yeah what if we'd gotten this treat the gods of, or whatever yeah instead of dungeon world would have been nice would have been nice i mean we could just uh, make the the mash of them together or take all the good parts and throw away all the men dan <laughs> dan tell us about what you do yeah so i'm half of gemrum games um and we are a, a design team based out of uh, los angeles um, we make a lot of games at time of recording. We are approaching the end of a Kickstarter for Nine Lies Valhalla, which is a tabletop RPG about death metal Viking cats who, um, is, after the end of the age of man and in the, uh, dawn of the age of beasts, you are, uh, trying to fight and die gloriously and get into Valhalla where no man has tread. But unfortunately, you have nine lives, so every time you die, you come back stronger and need to find an even more worthy foe to, to die at the hands of. Um, it's a ton of fun. Um, if you go to gemroomgames.com, uh, by the time you hear this, we might have pre-orders up. But um, either way, uh, the other thing we do is every month uh, we make a hex and a dungeon and um, give it away to everyone who is on our mailing list um and it's up for a month and uh the in the past we've done uh the wizards co-op where six wizards that are not particularly responsible all moved to the same mesa at the same time and now the neighbors for four hexes around are all complaining that the skull has turned into a laughing or the sun has turned into a laughing skull and uh, all the milk tastes bad um and have sent you to to solve that problem um, or the hollow lake where there is a secret, um, 
uh, uh, under lake construction where a, uh, a frog folk church is um, is looking to hire adventurers. So they're, they're super fun. Um, and if you sign up for our mailing list, you will get whatever, uh, um, uh, at the time you're listening, whatever, whatever Hex is live now and all the ones we work on going forward. Um, and we only email you once a month, maybe two if we've got a big release, but, you know, we, we take that pretty serious. We're not going to inundate you. Um, and yeah, go to gemroomgames.com. Um, we make lots of fun stuff that is either about, um post-dungeon fantasy uh wizard school dropouts or uh animals inexplic animals fantasies in death metal um morkborgs and the like i'm so excited for nine lives i can't wait i can't wait to be it's gonna be super fun i can't wait the adventure is sick i we've got it outlined we don't have it fully written yet but the wreck of the murderess is the uh, companion adventure that um i'm extremely excited we get to do because because we got such great support for the kickstarter so if you supported the kickstarter thank you so much um we are really excited to have unlocked the color red um we're paying for all the colors but we're only going to use red um because it's the best one for nine lives of Valhalla. Um, anything we forgot? Anything we need to say for Max to edit back in? I want to say nice things about the bestiary because I do think the bestiary is like one of the like it's fine like the, you know they're not the most exciting. It's there's I'm looking at giant ant right now like right. oh boy you know but like whatever it's it's a pretty quick and dirty like here's a monster and everything you need to know. And then it's like the AC, PD, MD, and HP yes. section is like, why is yeah. it? Why? Just why, though? Like, as someone and who I spent. Hated, I hated the images that come with the bestiary, too. Of just like, yeah, because they're bad. Shapes that, yeah, it's so annoying. They're bad, and they, like, don't. They've got, like, this weird shadow. Like, all the demons, especially, just, like, all it does is break your um break your columns in a not interesting way right. in the part that's supposed to be a list like like this is the part that's supposed to be clean and readable and you're and now you're having fun like yeah. no 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 but <laughs> oh god it just it's really rough it's also like, it's it, wild to me that like the highest level monsters have hit points like in the 800s yeah that was one of the things i was gonna mention is like there are so many hit points that i don't believe that this combat can't drag on because you also the whole concept of recovery where you just like i was not clear on how that worked i was like so i have nine recoveries and if i'm level five each of those represents like 5d8 that i get to roll to heal i'm never going down and neither is the bad guys i guess if i'm rolling 20d6 or whatever for my damage that's like, exactly yeah. it you are yeah now yeah. i understand why there's too many I could, like i like rolling dice but that it's it might be a bit much yeah this will yeah uh yeah i mean it, it like this is such a such a formative like thing for me and like and honestly affected a lot of how i write games you know it, there's there's just the the slipping in and out of tone and like uh, there's a lot of 
distressingly a lot of like what I imprinted on as as good things to put in an RPG and then to revisit it and be like, oh, but not like this. Not like <laughs> not like not this. not well, like I, this. Yeah. I think some of my cringy reactions to it are because like the worst things I find in this book are also like I hate similar things about my own writing. Uh, yeah, this was revealing. Some, yeah, which is, exactly. <laughs> which which is why it cuts deeper. Like I I yes. will never have as strong a reaction to anything in fourth edition as I because I can just dismiss it as like well yeah whatever it's that that was four e but like this is somehow personal that I needed the game <laughs> to be better than this. <laughs> Um, because I remember it being better than this, and what I what it was is I ran it better than this, right. you know, was written. But God, just I'm just looking at the layout, and I'm never gonna look at the lay, look at the layout again. Um, I hope someday, Aaron, that you and I read a book that we want to play. I don't know. I don't know that it's ever gonna happen because I do know it's gonna be it's gonna be the West End Games Ghostbusters. I mean, maybe That'll this is do it. so. Like, what do we have? What do we have confirmed coming up in future episodes? Because I actually feel like that's an interesting thing to tell people. Gamma World One E, Gerps. <laughs> yep, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm excited for Gerps. Warhammer, uh, Changeling. Mm-hmm. Warhammer, Changeling. Yep. And I mean, we'll do possibly, our D&D things. Possibly Shadowrun Bug City. Y'all want to go on a field trip to Bug City? You can see us. You can find us on Ko-Fi. Ko-Fi.com slash RTFM. Give us your dollars. We'll buy books with them. Also, keep asking Max to release episode zero, the Traveler episode. The Traveler episode is coming in an obscure format in limited edition very soon. <laughs> With a surprise. Excellent. Thank you.